Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Why is that in my head? It is amazing. The goddamn songs that uh, just drop in your head. Um, apologies, team. What, what an odd start, an unprofessional start. I am actually just double checking um, to see what episode we're on. It's 42. It's 42. I have been saying for some time now. Let's just get that up at the mouth so we can hear. Oh, I mean, what an unprofessional start in the name of God. Um, I've been saying for a while now. I'm going. To, I need to get some kind of whiteboard, or or something that I can, that I can write on in the uh, in the studio. You know, check me out. Um, just so that I know about goddamn episode. Is, I mean, does it matter? Is the episode number that important? It's more important the fact that we're alive. You're alive. You're alive, and you're listening to what I hope is one of your favorite podcasts. So welcome back. To another episode, another Wednesday, episode 42, quickly moving towards 50, yeah? and then it'll be 100, and then it'll be 500, and then by that time we'll probably be dead, let's look at, hey, we could be dead by 50, years of age, and episodes of the podcast, um, smash past the, the point of no return now, officially the podcast has been running longer in lockdown than it did in the real world. We are now 22 episodes 
recorded in lockdown and 20 episodes recorded in the real world. Um, so there we go. Uh, as always, uh, I hope you are safe. I hope you are well. Um, cases that are on the rise. Cases on the rise. I tell you, I tell you something. Uh, I've made another attempt uh, to watch Hamilton. Failed miserably. We're now on attempt three. Uh, unable to get through it. Um, I don't know if any of you have what I, I imagine many of you have. Uh, I don't believe I'm the only one who's watching it going. What? Or what did he? What did he say? Very the the, the gentleman who appears to be Hamilton, um, who's you know front and center starlight starlight. He, uh, my God, at times, um, certainly not from the Buster Rhymes school of uh, hip hop, you know. Uh, the boy Buster, my God, what a what a speed of a tongue on that man, eh? But you knew everything he was saying. You knew every goddamn word that Mr. Rhymes was saying. Whereas Hamlet, I'm like, ah, eh, no. And uh, yeah, so third attempt. We've got about an hour to go. We'll get there, you know. It's uh, Hamlet. It, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we'll get there eventually. But uh, aye, it's been a bit of a boring week. Not much is happening. Um, you know, skint beyond belief. Trying to remain positive. Trying to do these whole kind of, you know, Americanisms where, you, hey, if you believe it and you visualise the truth, then the, the outcome can be your reality in these six easy steps. But um, yesterday in the house, in fact, not even yesterday, Monday, it was so... Drich, right, good Scottish word, uh, so drich and minging, another great Scottish word, in Edinburgh, we actually had to put the lights in the house on, because it was so dark, even before midday, because it was just a horrible, horrible day, you know, a day for the ducks, as your grandmother may say, um, so it's hard to kind of get that, that fire, that energy, you know, and, um, I have been thinking a lot about, obviously, gigs and live work, and uh, we've got a few things in place today, actually, just before we started recording, that we're going to chase up again when, when we're finished, because we're going to have to do some kind of live stream thing, or some kind of, you know, online gig, um, because I, I I feel as if um, my, my creative juices are, are drying up. Yeah, nah. And uh, I mean, the, the writing aspect of it has never really been a concern because uh, a lot of people, I I accepted very early on in my so-called career in comedy that um, I work very differently from other people. And I'm not one of these acts uh, or comedians who kind of sits down and writes every day or that's just never been me, never will be me. I'm too lazy and I'm far too talented for that kind of But whenever I get ideas or, or, you know, it comes in kind of big dumps, if you like. But right now, the fact that there is no gigs, and uh, unfortunately, I had a gig booked in for January, which is now going to be getting moved um, to, we think, May of next year, because the theatre isn't even going to be open in January. Um, so that that's another worry as well for next year, and I can't keep. I mean, I've I've not done a gig now since the second week in March. 
And the last gig that I did was a corporate as well. It wasn't even an actual, like, comedy club. You know, it was it was hosting an event at the National Museum in Scotland, uh, here in Edinburgh, which was an amazing gig, by the way. I'll tell you that much. Um, what a beautiful building. There, there's there's an an incredible amount of buildings in Scotland that are truly, truly stunning. I. I have said this before, and I'll say it again. When I went to that, um, is it Sagrida Familia? Sagrida Familia. What is it called? Sagrida Familia. The one in Spain. Fucking Gaudi's church. Uh, Gaudi. Gaudi buildings. There we go. Let's see what the old fucking, the old Gaudi. La Sagrada, Sagrada Familia. Um, the church, right? Uh, when did they start building this thing? Um, construction started... <laughs> construction started 1882. And it's still no... It's still finished. Typical Spanish builder. 1882, right? Um, so, I went to Barcelona... Once on the, for a wee, a wee shitty break to Barcelona and obviously went to Sagrita Familia. Done the tour, you know, uh, walking about. Jam packed it was, rammed, right? It felt like uh, you were entering Guantanamo Bay or something when you're first going in. Security gates everywhere. Obviously, this is at a time, you know, when it was like what? After 2000. And, well, after September 11th, so it was all, oh, there's fucking terrorism everywhere. I tell you, the only terrorism that exists in that part of Barcelona, outside Sagrada Familia, is the fucking cafes that charge five euros for a fucking can of Coke to the tourists. That's terrorism. Obviously, queued up, bags in, fucking off we go, you know, done the wee tour. And, uh person who I was with, and even people who I've said it to since, go, you're talking shit, big man. That building, and also the, uh, what is it? What is wrong with my fucking brain today? See, before I, I do, I do this podcast, I sit and actually make some notes, believe it or not, get the thing set up for the recording, and everything's flowing through my brain, and then as soon as I start recording and I start talking to you, my mind goes blank. Um, Notre Dame it's fucking Notre Dame that and Notre Dame Cathedral when I went to Paris which is still the biggest shithole I've ever been in my life but Notre Dame Cathedral and Sagrada Familia N- neither of them can hold a candle to the spectacular beauty and history that is Glasgow Cathedral. If you have never been to, let's just see when that was built. If you have never been to Glasgow Cathedral, oh my god, I'm just, I'm just getting this information here. Sagrada Familia started getting built 1882. Glasgow Cathedral opened 1197. What? 1197. <laughs> oh my god, that is insanity. That's over 800 years ago. Quick maths. What? 800 years ago? When probably 
the Spanish are still fucking having a kip walking about in their fucking hind legs. 1197 Glasgow Cathedral was built, open, so probably started building before then. Anyway, Glasgow Cathedral is one of the most beautiful buildings you will ever, ever visit. It is stunning, absolutely stunning. They have shut a part of it now that you used to be beginning years ago, and there is a, as you go in, to, now, I have got a real thing for religious buildings, especially Christianity, Catholicism, kind of UK churches, right? The Some of the Catholic churches I've been to in Spain are, no, not Catholic, not Protestant, not Christian, no faith. Went to Sunday school when I was young, but that's just to get you out of the house so you more can get a hold. No, no interest in religion whatsoever. But there is something about it that fascinates me. Absolutely fascinates me. I, I don't know if it's the... I think because I don't... And this is the truth, right? And if you are religious in any way, then, you know, fair fucks to you. I, I, sometimes I think I wish I had that... I wish I had a faith, maybe, at times. I think I'm spiritual in a way. I think I'm a wee bit spiritual, you know? But religious, no. I, I don't I don't buy it. I don't believe it. Um, I think it may have been a way to create something in order to answer questions that were unanswerable. You know? So I think that may have been the case uh, back in the fucking, you know, 400... BC. Uh, how come that's called a rock and why is the sky blue? Well, there's a fucking, there's a big cunt in the sky, right? You can't see him, he's invisible. And he's like, here, hold on a minute. So I think that may have been why religion first originated or was created, to answer the unanswerable. And then I think it has quickly moved to be a, a you could probably even argue, a, 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 a weapon. In, in, in some ways, religion would have been used and still is used as a as a weapon to to mobilize people to segregate people to challenge views and uh so never been religious but there is something about it and in in particular the catholic church that that i am that i'm drawn to learn more about it it's the it's the stories, it's the it's the history, it's the it's the power that they have. In my opinion, uh, a thing that doesn't exist in the sense of I don't think God's real. How something can be created and be so powerful and so influential across the world. So I love churches, I love uh, old buildings, and Glasgow Cathedral is stunning, absolutely stunning. You can get it free of charge, free of charge. Doesn't matter your sex, religion, doesn't matter. And just have a walk about. Beautifully peaceful. Uh, stunning, stunning architecture. And I think when you're in it, the fact that you are aware that you are not only surrounded by true history. It's not like when you go to America and you go, hey, would you like to come and see the oldest house in fucking Nashville. And you're like, when was it built? And you're like, 1961. You're like, mate, you've no idea what history is, right? 1197, that's insane, man. So, Glasgow Cathedral, beautiful building. It's like something that a Constantine or some kind of fucking mad, you know, Devils and Angels film. And, and they used to have a, a, a room off to the side that is all white marble. And the room still exists. 
um, but you can't get in more. It's locked, but I think you're still able to look through the window and see it. But it's just that it's just they've got loads of different rooms off to the side. And uh, I think I think the story of the the different rooms is the the different fractions of the church that have existed or fallen away over the years, and they all had their own little space. I think I could be wrong in that, but. Uh, that white marble room. I can always remember being, being in there and just being completely in awe, blown away by it. And also, there's, you know, it plays a, a massive part in Scotland's history as well. There's there's plaques up and different things. So Robert the Bruce had, had meetings in it and different historical figures had, had been there. And you do get a sense of... It, it's almost split into three levels. You have an entrance point, this big, long kind of you know, flat walkway with the huge pillars, proper Game of Thrones shit, and then you kind of go up a few steps and you go through these giant doors, and uh, then it's the kind of, I, I imagine you would call it the kind of ceremonial part, right, and it's the bit when the Queen visited, she was in there, and that's where they have the receptions and whatnot, but there's also these two stairways that go off to the wings that take you down at the lower level, and that's where, it, that's where you, when you descend those steps... And you see the concrete that's worn away because it's just hundreds of years, hundreds of years, centuries. Tens of thousands, millions of people before you have have walked down these very steps. There, there is a real sense of, you know, you are in history here. There's a real sense that. And it's bloody stunning. Um, so if you're ever in Glasgow, man, check that out. You definitely should go or make, make a whatever if you even get to Scotland at all at any point, get a chance to go. And and probably if you live in Glasgow around, you've maybe never been. Just go for a walk about. The necropolis is pretty cool as well, but definitely go to Glasgow Cathedral Glasgow Cathedral and see it. Why did we start talking about Glasgow Cathedral? I have absolutely no idea. But what was I talking about? Sagrada Familia. Glasgow Cathedral. Fuck knows. But yes, if you are in, now I'm looking for things on the computer that's not there. If you're in uh, or near Glasgow, then go and check it out, man, because it is absolutely bloody spectacular, let me tell you. Right, one thing that I wanted to talk uh, about, um, we've got some stuff cut. I've got some listeners' questions as well this episode. Um, and thank you to everybody who got in touch. I know sometimes you you answer the, uh, the request that goes out on um, Patreon, for, for any questions and sometimes you'll respond to the the ones on Instagram so apologies if I missed them um, Instagram seems to be the one where I keep forgetting to go in and get the responses uh, but thank you to everybody who's got in touch and uh, we'll, we'll get to it in one point now I was going to talk about this uh, actually a few weeks ago because I, I'd made a note of it in my phone uh, to do so and uh, I never got around it and then I saw this news article and I thought that's the very bloody thing I was going to talk about so We'll talk about that now. Now, I am not a big... I was just about to say I'm not a big YouTube man, and that's a lie. I have YouTube on every single day while I'm working. But it is a very small group of things that I will watch on YouTube. It tends to be podcasts. Uh, either my favourite comics, I'll listen to their podcasts, or I'll maybe listen to a, a, a stand-up album or something like that. Uh, or cooking stuff, right? That's the, really the only things I watch. So I don't have a... I remember my mate's daughter said to me once, she's only young, right? She's like, who's your favourite YouTuber? And I was like, I, I mean, I was disgusted the fact that that's now a thing. In fact, we watched a film the other night 
Is it called The Power or Power? It's on Netflix with Jamie Foxx. And I was shocked and horrified to see that one of the YouTubers, I can't remember his name, there's a guy who's a YouTuber and he's in the film. I don't even think he's got a line in it. I think he just, he just drags a girl somewhere and then looks a bit awkward as they all get killed after Jamie Foxx. And I'm like, is that is that where we are at now where you can become, you can get a part in a Hollywood movie simply by being famous on YouTube? Not famous for acting. Not, even the fact that you can become famous and a multi-millionaire on YouTube by just posting shit videos. Even now, I'm no, I'm no into TikTok at all, right? The, the the idea of it, the format, disgusts me. People lip syncing to other people's videos. People lip syncing to another artist's content is making them famous. What the actual fuck is happening to this planet, man? What is going? What a fucked up time to be alive, to be a young person as well. And, and never, I think, see, to be young now growing up, what a shit time that must be. Now, people will argue that I'm wrong, and maybe I am wrong, maybe because I don't know enough about, you know, the next group of people that are coming through, but fuck me, it is garbage. So that this, this article that I saw is basically about YouTube reaction videos. Now, I didn't even know it was a thing. Again, when I heard about it, I thought, what is happening to this? This is videos of people watching other videos and then reacting to them and you are watching their reaction and you think what? <laughs> how, one how is this a thing and two how, how can these people i mean someone will get millions of followers millions of followers their videos are getting millions of views I wonder sometimes I, it doesn't really affect me personally. I don't. It doesn't impact me personally in relation to my work because I think that I am. Um, I I've never wanted to be famous or, or operate in in that kind of world. And and a lot of these people are, are simply driven by fame. It's not. It's not driven by creativity it's just driven it's a, it's a constant hustle to be famous which must be fucking tiring man but i often think how how boring must it be that you just you become famous on reaction videos so the the article was um in fact let me just put this let's, let me just put this up here um that's the right one too many boys to best so twin brothers listening to Phil Collins, right, was the article. Um, the video had gone viral uh, after capturing, apparently, their brilliant reaction to uh, a Phil Collins song, right? Now, first of all, some of these reaction videos are insane. And and the thing that gets me the most is, it's not that they, they aren't aware that these people exist, like... I think the thing was, it's not that the 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 two boys, the two the two the two twins, right? It's not that they're unaware that Phil. Look at his reaction there. It's not that they're unaware that Phil Collins exists, although they probably have no idea who Phil Collins is. In the video, 
they say that people had been sending them in things that they should react to, right? And what you find with these reaction videos is the people who have reaction channels, they all react to the exact same stuff, right? It's the same four or five songs over and over and over again, right? And the worrying thing about the young ones, the young people who are doing it, right? The young kids, is that I think they honestly believe there's never been any talented people before them. I think that's what they believe. It's not a shock reaction in the sense of, you know, I can't believe I'm getting to hear this. I think the shock for them is the more like, I can't believe that there was artistic, talented, creative people before we came around, before we came along. There's a very narcissistic view of young people now that they have created everything. You know, or that everything that they do is better than what has gone before them. There's there's no point in watching old movies, watching old television shows, listening to old music, because there's there's not a chance in hell that anything that has came before them or was created in their parents' time could ever match to the shit that is being created now. One of the reaction videos that I watched this morning before kind of noting this down was a, a, a woman who I'd say maybe is in her late 40s. And her, her reaction is to a, a Tom Jones song. And it's it's beautiful, right? It's th That reaction is beautiful because she says that she, she knows the name or she's aware of him, but she'd never heard him sing before. And obviously Tom Jones is an incredible singer. And that reaction is, is real. And I remember watching that thinking when I was watching this morning, going like that, that that this is a real this is a real reaction to it. It's just her watching the video, watching the song, listening to him sing, and then I would just say critiquing, but then responding to the end. But these these young boys, man, they the just the noises they make and the reaction to it, you're going, guys, that you know, there, there is there is talented people out there, whether you like Phil Collins or no. But I think the, the the reason why this one stuck out for me is just because it was given so much publicity for some reason because the video went viral. Um, this is the article that was in NME. <laughs> Can you imagine working for NME and you've been there since maybe the start or you've been there like through the 80s and the 90s, right? Through all those different rise and falls of genre, music, rock, grunge you know, pop, you've been through all of that, interviewed, spoke to some of, not only the greatest bands that ever existed, some of the most talented musicians that have ever existed, and you are now resigned to doing articles on two twin brothers who create reaction videos on YouTube. I imagine there are people in the NME who struggle to not blow their brains out every single day um this is the article a pair of twin brothers have gone viral after capturing their brilliant reaction to the moment they listened to phil collins for the first time the latest video in the first time hearing series it's a series from the 21 year old youtube stars tim and fred williams known as twins the new trend wow Sees the pair listening to In The Air Tonight. While the brothers have previously captured the reactions to tracks including Dolly Parton's Jolene, amazing song, and Bruce Springsteen's Dancing In The Dark, their reaction to Colin's track 
has garnered their biggest audience to date. The pair became increasingly animated in the video, but their, re their greatest reaction comes when the famous drum solo arrives almost five minutes into the clip. Um, one of the twins said, that was cool, he did that. Yes, yes, he did do that. Um, I ain't never seen somebody drum a beat three minutes into a song. Well, there you go. Uh, Tim goes on to hail the song as unique and a straight banger. I'm sure Phil Collins will be desperate to have that feedback. One Twitter uh, user responded, I mean, well, y'all been sleeping on Phil Collins while I've been a stain since I could stand. Wow. Watch these teens hear the power of Phil for the first time. I have absolutely no idea what that sentence was. Um, it was confirmed earlier this year that Phil Collins was, and then it goes on. To talk about Phil Collins and Genesis, but the fact that these uh, these reaction videos are getting millions and millions of views is, is, uh, is insanity. And it's... I think all of us could probably spend about time maybe looking back at, at maybe some stuff that it might even be a nice conversation to have with your parents or, or family members or older relatives or you've got friends. It might even be a nice conversation to have around what music, you know, they remember for their youth or what stands out to them or TV or film or books or plays. Certainly books is something that I need to start reading more of then what I do, I don't read fuck all, you know, and that's something I need to start doing. Maybe that's a, a way to connect to people. But just the fact that they are unaware of these great artists and then the reaction to it is just so over the top. You, you know that it's just, it's, you know that it's just to get views. That's it. Tom Jones, the reaction to Tom Jones is fabulous. Tom Jones is, uh, I've seen him live once, so a long, long time, long, long time ago, I worked for uh, O2, which to, to date was the worst job I ever had. Um, Because of the people, maybe not because of the work, but because of the people, the, the, the management and the business themselves, uh, horrible, horrible company to work for. And... When you may remember the O2 in, in London, so O2 took over or they sponsored it or something. This is when they started to buy up like um, music venues and do their priority thing, right? So basically what was happening was they were doing a, a soft opening of the O2. And uh, if you've ever been to the O2 in London, it's, it's huge, right? It's massive. It not only has the arena, but it's got a, a whole infrastructure around it. There's There's cinema i think is in it now and um at that time it's full of restaurants and and shopping places it's vast right so what o2 was doing was offering all of its staff excuse me to come down to the opening the soft opening of the o2 and there was going to be live performances and, and everything else right and they flew us down for glasgow they chartered planes I mean, it was unbelievable, right? We 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 had to go to work. We'd meet in, in Glasgow, bust us out to the airport, um, got on a plane. It was I remember it was German planes. They're a German company. Uh, everyone was in German. All the women looked like they were for the Hitler Youth. Um, every single one of the air hostesses, the exact same. Tall, very, very thin, very dour-faced, blonde. Every one of them. Every one of them over the age of 50. Stick thin and angry looking, terrifying looking, 
blonde hair, straight back, every one of them. Flew down to the O2, busted into the O2, flew down to London, busted into the O2, and then you're there all day. Uh, you were given tokens for stuff to go and get food, and, and there was like loads of different things on outside. You can go and get a massage and all this stuff. And obviously, it's all branded O2, and yeah, I'm a fucking team O2, and you know, like gangs in New York or something, and you're meeting up with like the O2 branch in Manchester going, Yeah, here we are, guys, night one, let's fucking take on the English. That kind of day. But. I remember going in, and we were all in our, in, our, in our seats, so we all had, like, zones, you know, so, like, the Scottish people were on one side and whatnot, and hosted by Dermot O'Leary. Fucking hell. They had uh, a lot of English rugby players then, because O2 sponsored England. I don't know if they still sponsor them or not, but a lot of English rugby players there. And the musical numbers were uh, Basement Jacks, Kaiser Chiefs, and Tom Jones. Now, it was completely the reverse, the wrong order, right? It was the reverse order. It should have been the other way around. Because we had no idea who was, was going to perform. We weren't told who was going to perform. And uh, Tom Jones came out first. I remember that. Because I remember Demo Legger. Tom Jones. I went like, no fucking way. Tom Jones came out. Did about 45 minutes. Full band unbelievable like unbelievable I'll never forget it I was angry because obviously people are treating it as a day out right like holiday you're also getting paid you know you're getting paid to be there so it's like an escape for your work and people are trying to get noised out a bit and at the end of the day it's a, it's a fucking stadium full of call centre workers right so the majority of them are ball bags anyway so people are constantly in and out getting steaming sneaking bevy and the usual stuff and I'm just sitting watching Tom Jones thinking, this is... I remember in my head going, I cannot believe I'm getting to see this. Like, I couldn't believe it. I hadn't, I hadn't been long been with the company. And then thinking, you know what, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe O2 is a really good place to be. It's, no, it's fucking awful, but... What what a gig, man. What a gig. And then when he left, I was gutted. Like, genuinely gutted. I thought, right, go home now. There's Nothing can top this. I don't know if he... Had to go early because I'm a bit older, or I don't know what the setup was, but I was like, the gig's done now, it's done. Then the next act, uh, musical act, was Basement Jacks, and to be fair to them, they were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant. Proper show, great. Obviously, never going to live up to Tom Jones, right? And the last one was the Kaiser Chiefs. And not being a particular fan of the Kaiser Chiefs anyway, that's one of the worst gigs I've ever been forced to sit through. They were fucking garbage. Compared to what you saw with Tom Jones and then how Basement Jacks worked that venue, knowing there's probably maybe 60% of the audience maybe don't like the music or not really into them, the Kaiser Chief just phoned it in, man. It was awful. It's an awful gig. But I remember, and I, I vividly remember watching Tom Jones just sitting, sitting in that stand going, this is one of the greatest things. I mean, you, you'll ever get to see. To get to see Tom Jones live, it was phenomenal. But uh, should have filmed that reaction video. Imagine sitting it. This is probably even before fucking YouTube was a thing, you know, or YouTube was certainly making stars. You think now that you, you people are being famous for reacting to stuff on on YouTube? <laughs> what, what does he do? I uh, am a, a reactionist. Or is that like a, a political thing, like a journalist? No, no, I um, I react to things. 
in, in, in what sense? Well, you know, I, I watch musicians, bands, um, you know, people getting hurt. Uh, and then I'll film myself reacting to them and then post that online. And that's a full-time job. Yes, I, I earn about £16 million pounds a year. Who's the muggy? Eh? I always remember um, having a meeting with a couple of once a person on my team. And uh, this is long before I did stand-up, right? Long before I even thought about trying to do it. And uh, Well, no, that's not true. It was always there. It was always there. I just thought... You know, I thought that's that's Hollywood. That's a dream. It's no real life. You've got to just get a job, and life is fucking a graft, and you just got to walk through it. You know, as many of us as many of us probably do. You know, um, again, west of Scotland, probably growing up, that was it. You go to school, you try and get a job, you find a woman, you have kids, you get, a, and that's it. And you just try and find some kind of joy along the way that gives you enough so you don't top yourself and you continue on to the end. Right? That was what life was maybe. And uh, thankfully, we. we took a, a turn off that path and uh, pursued comedy but I remember uh, talking to this person in my team and, and having to give them not a bollocking but having to go through them and just say look what, what's going on man like I'm getting shit because you're doing shit and what's happening here and then they just opened up to me and said like they wanted to be a, a musician they wanted to be a singer but they, they don't know how to do it they don't get the confidence and then we, we remember I remember sitting in the canteen for an hour with them and just talking through it, and I'm like, you need to go to college, or you need to do this, so you, need, you, need, you need to get in an environment that can allow you to be creative, and then that will maybe give you the confidence you need to, to make that step, and you're not going to get that here, because a lot of people will go into a shit job, and they'll think, right, I need to get money, because the money will allow me the freedom to then go and pursue what I do, and sadly, a lot of the time, it doesn't happen. You need to be in an environment that allows your creativity to to grow. You know? That's that's one of the reasons why I did a, a stand-up course, a comedy course. A lot of people turn their nose up at it, and, and whenever they find out that you, you started in comedy by doing a course, they go, oh, really? As if it's something somewhere you're less than them, you know, because they somehow took a plunge. My thing was confidence. I, I had no knowledge. You know, I've said it before, and I'll tell you the truth, like, I mean, there's no industry in Scotland, there never has been, but I didn't even know that comedy clubs existed for a long time. Didn't know they existed. Didn't even know they existed out of Scotland. You know, I thought you became a comedian by somehow you get spotted and you just went on the telly, right? Because the only introduction you had to comics growing up was Billy Connolly or... Lee Evans was a big one for me growing up. But you just see him in the telly and you just think, oh, he's funny. Maybe he does the theatres, you know, like all end of the pier stuff. And as daft as that sounds, if you have no knowledge of a whole network of clubs existing, you're, you're never going to know that. Certainly in Scotland as well, where, you know, where they have such a guarded, uh, a guarded industry and in that they don't really want people getting in because everyone's terrified that they're going to lose work because we don't have a lot of talented comics so they all hang on to what they have they create their little groups and their cliques and it's difficult to break into it and I had no knowledge of it like I said so by doing the course that allowed me to be in a creative space and I knew it gave me a gig at the end and my hope was that by doing that gig um, I would at least be then aware of how I then move on to like do more, and this is how it happened. Did the did the course, did the the 
the show at the end where everybody on the course does does a set and then the, the guy who was the MC offered me a gig the following weekend and then it went it went for there you know um but you, you've got to put yourself in the environment I suppose where you can be creative and and maybe now there's a lot of people I imagine now with the situation we're in with COVID and and the real uncertainty I think I think that the last kind of month or two well I think the previous two months I think the attitude was this kind of going for much longer we're getting closer to the end life's going to go back to normal and I think probably the last couple of weeks I think maybe the the mindset of people has shifted and I think we're all starting to realise that this is going to be like this probably the rest of the year I think we're going to be in this 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 type of lockdown for at least the rest of this year I think and that's, I mean, it's worrying, you know. Even the day I was reading about Martin Spencer's jobs going, you know, oh, the Percy Pig's all right, the Percy Pig's are all right. But every day you're hearing something new. And we, we, we're we going to be, un, it's going to be impossible for us to go back to normal or whatever we think normal was because there's been too much change. Too many people have now lost their job. Too many people are now vulnerable. It, it's not going to go back to that. So what it goes back to, I don't know. Um, and possibly people now are maybe starting to think, right, if if we are going to have to go back to, to work and I'm going to have to go back to earning money and there is now that uncertainty in life where you don't know what's around the corner and that has now become a, a real reality to people. We don't know what's around the corner. Shouldn't you be making the decision to, to at least be in an industry or be in a career or be in a job that brings you some kind of joy? Now, every job's hard, right? Don't get me wrong, I believe I'm meant to be a comedian. It's the first thing that I've done that I just, like a duck to water, I'm naturally gifted at it, I'm good at it, I enjoy it. But it's a job at the end of the day, and there are times when it's hard, you know. I've said it before, it's a constant hustle. You're constantly fighting against the tide, keeping your head above water, constantly thinking six months, a year, two years down the line, constantly fighting. It's hard, it's a job, but... The, the pros outweigh the cons and, I, and I, I, I probably think there are a lot of people now who are maybe in a position where they're going right if I've got 30 years left of grafting 30 years left of working maybe even 40 years left do I know I want to be in a job or an industry that that you know fulfills me in another level other than financial I don't know but maybe that will be, maybe that's what's going to happen after lockdown. Everybody's going to be a poet. <laughs> I'm chucking a job on the scaffolding. I'm going to be a poet, Sandra. <laughs> Tell me one of your poems, Franco. There once was a man from Nantucket. Who knows? But listen, if you've got, you know, if you've got anything out there, if you've got any, any inklings, any, any vibes, fucking try it, man. You know, give it a go. But I think I think the most important thing is if you're going to go into some kind of creative role or try and move into like a creative industry, if your if your main drive for anything is money, I think you'll always fail, especially in a creative world. If you if you start off and you do something because you love it. And it makes you happy. I think your chance of success will be great. When I first started doing stand-up, I loved it. I was, I was so 
I couldn't believe I was getting the opportunity to do it. You know? And I would have done it for free. And I did do it for free for a long time. And then I started to get busy with bookings and then I started to become in demand and then I started to realise, wait a minute here, I am better than everybody around me at this level. So I should be charging for this. I should be getting paid because I have shown that I can do it. And then you work your way up and then the next level is you're now at a point where it's interfering with your day job because you don't have the time to concentrate on it. So you make that step and then you go on for there and you move up. But if your initial thinking or, or logic behind making that, you know, making that change, making that switch to something else is, I'm going to be rich and famous. It's never going to happen. I mean, it will happen for some, you know, and it does because those people are fucking cancerous lumps. And they know how to work the system and they manipulate it. But at the end of the day, when their career is done and they look back, they'll, they'll take no joy from it. Those people will never be fulfilled. Because the the thing that they crave, whether it be fame and money, will never be enough to, to feed that craving. You know? Uh, what what an, uh, another odd episode. Honestly, I sat down thinking, this is going to be a really joyful one. I'll even get some clips out of this. It's going to be dead funny. And we've just gone down the road of being fucking pure deep again who knows where these take a twist if you're still listening at this point congratulations <laughs> right youtube reaction videos um let's do let's let's look at the time for a start let's do let's do some questions um i thank you to everybody who got in touch um I'm just looking here the bit of paper that I've got. Uh, what have we got? What have we got? What have we got? Let's go. Douglas, uh, Douglas Simmons. Douglas, thank you for getting in touch. Douglas has asked, uh, what's your least favourite road trip activity? Uh, music you've had to suffer when on a long road trip. Um, uh, I mean, I'm lucky so far. I've not, I've not really had anything where... Most of the times when, I, when I'm doing the long road ones, right, the biggest ones is London. I mean, Brighton was the worst one, but I did Brighton, broke it up because I went to Cardiff first. The biggest ones that you'll do, that I still do, are London and Cardiff. Um, Cardiff is a killer. It's an absolute killer. It's about eight hours in the car uh, because the traffic is horrendous and it feels like a slog, man. It's, it's the only one that I do where I normally get quite drunk after it because you're just so tired, you're just burst, you're, everything's drained by the time you get there and then you do the gig and then you get back to the room and you just crash out. Um, but whenever I do these long drives, podcasts all the way, man, it's just podcasts and listening to the radio, as long as it's mostly people talking, occasionally I'll listen to some music, um, you know, Spotify playlists, but uh, nine times out of ten, it's podcasts for me. Uh, the only real situations I've been in the car where I've had to do like games is with my nieces, and I can't stand it. Man, I've not got that that mindset of I can tune them out. I can just let them scream and sing and go mad in the back of the car. But when they're doing the let's I spy you, like mate, rap it, all right? And they go right. Everyone has to say a boy's name beginning with the letter A, and then we go through the alphabet. Right, I'll start. Uh, Adam, oh, I've got an Adam in my class. No, I was going to say Adam. Well, I've said it, so you can't say it. That is enough 
to make me want to put sharp left down and just spin it into a field. That's that drives me insane. <laughs> that drives me insane when they do stuff like that. Especially my nieces who just make up stuff. They just cheat. They don't care, right? You know, it's the letter K, Colin. Colin does the bend my K. I've got a boy in my class. Colin begins a K. And you're going, listen, I will jam this hand in and roll us into a field. <laughs> So stuff like that does my nothing. I like the car is oddly. I go for drives quite a lot to relax and just to think. I do a lot of thinking in a car. Um, I'll have some music on, or I'll be listening to radio, or I'll listen to a podcast. And oddly, I don't know what it is. It's always done it. Whenever I'm trying to write a new show or work on bits of material, I'll always go for a long drive, like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Uh, just driving about, not not motorway driving. I, I tend to kind of come off and try and go back roads and countryside and whatnot. And there's just something about being in the car, and I don't know if it, I don't know if it channels my thinking because I'm obviously I'm driving, so I'm in control of the vehicle. I don't know if doing that switches off a part of my brain or switches on a part of my brain that allows me to think more clearly on material and creating than when I'm just sitting in an office. You mean, you maybe, you maybe your mind's too busy and you're trying to write, is there something funny about flizzamites? You know, I don't know, but in a car, well, there is, but in a car, driving in a car, that's when I seem to, it certainly helps me for writing, so I don't know if that's a, I don't know what that is. Maybe some fucking doctor could be able to tell. It's because the actual uh, front central cortex lobe is, is switched off when you're driving. No idea. But I, not nothing really. No no games. I've never been in a car with a group of comics to went, let's play a game, right? Let's all say a football team beginning with the letter. <laughs> That's no harm before, but... I long drives, man. That's when I know I'm getting old. Long drives now. It's getting a bit, of, it's getting a bit of pain. But to be fair, I'll never take another gig for granted again after this uh, lockdown ends. I'll, I'll, I'll drive to Cardiff and back in a day if I had to. I'm, I'm missing Cardiff, man. I love the Cardiff clean. It's absolutely brilliant. I love the people. I love the venue. I love the locals. I'm missing that club. I think that's one of the ones I'm missing the most. I mean, I'm missing gigs. I'm just. I'm just desperate to get back and do a gig. I really am. And even, I'm starting to think now, am I even a comedian? I mean, obviously, obviously I am, but it's been so long. It's been so long since a gig. Technically, I'm a podcaster. Technically, I'm a podcaster. That's where, you know, that's where money's coming in, thankfully. Um, But who knows? But thanks for that, Douglas. Uh, Morris Stewart has asked, how much recorded podcast material do you throw away compared to what makes it in, or is it just one long stream of consciousness? Uh, Morris used to be uh, broken up into 20-minute sections. That's what I used to do. So I used to record. Uh, I used to have a topic or something I was going to talk about, and I would try and talk about that for at least 20 minutes, or as close to 20 minutes as I could, and if it lasted longer than 20 minutes, let it run, run, run longer. And then I would stop the recording, and uh, then I would have a, a break and then I would start again on another subject. And that's how I used to do it at the start. First couple of episodes, that's how I did it. 
and then I realised one that isn't working, and two that isn't what I want it to be. Um, it's not a show. You'll probably know if you listen to the podcast itself. I don't think it's not as structured as in here's the beginning part, here's the middle part, here's the end. Some things I'll rabbit on for ages. Some things I'll go off in tangents. So now the podcast is I record the audio and the video, uh, obviously separately in case I lose one. So I've already got a backup. Um, and then I just turn them on. Um, so I suppose talk you through it whether I'm interested or no. Something to talk about. I come in, uh, I will go through a couple of news channels and see if there's anything that jumps out at me that I want to talk about. I'll go through my notes on my phone to see if there's anything that I've noted down since the last episode that I want to talk about. I take those, I'll write them down, and then I'll start to see if there's things in there that I think either will tie in together that I can discuss, or stuff that I want to, to, to actually bring up in the show. Uh, then I'll go back to the news items that I want to talk about and I'll try and get pictures and headlines for it so I can use that in the videos and then uh, get ourselves ready set up the camera, set up the audio make sure everything's recording do a wee quick 30 second minute test to make sure that everything's sounding fine and then I press record in the audio and then I hit record on the video and then that's it and then we just we just go um, we go for as long as we shot. The only rule I've got is that each episode should be at least an hour. That's it. I think an hour is uh, is kind of standard for a podcast. Certainly that I would expect uh, to be. If it's any longer than an hour, then it's a bonus. But I would record for at least an hour. And then we just go. And we see what happens. Sometimes um, I don't stop now. I used to stop before. And... Uh, like if I fucked something up or it was something that I didn't like or I was distracted. Sometimes the tour manager's again asleep in front of me in the bed. Sometimes he goes mad, so I stop for that reason. Um, but I don't anymore. I just let it. I just let it go. Just leave it running, and uh, yeah, we, 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 then I'll cut it together and we'll go for there. But there's there's very there's very little now that comes out. I I don't think it's that I've got more confident as it's gone on. I mean, obviously I have, because at the start, the, the the difficult thing is, like, I do two episodes a week, right? So I will sit and talk to myself for almost three hours every week, right? Now, again, listening to some other podcasts and listening to a, a, an American comic who I admire, he said one of the hardest, or the hardest podcast to do is the, the broadcaster style, is single person talking to a camera, talking to an audience. What I'm doing, it's one of the hardest things. I enjoy doing the hashtag show with Malorca Lee because it's somebody to bounce off of. A lot of the other podcasts I watch, they will have guests or they have, you know, two or three people who either recur or who are fixed in the show. And one of the hardest things to do is to, to talk like this, like we're doing, for an hour at a time, twice a week. But the reason I do it is because I set up the podcast because it was, one, it was easy for me to do. Two, I wanted to be able to do it on the road. And three, I didn't want to have to rely on other people to be in certain places at certain times in order to get it out every single week because the biggest thing for me was important to have this weekly. Um, But I, I, I do think that 
I have got more comfortable, if you like, with talking for the hour. Whereas before, I may have been slightly guarded as to what I'll say or what I discuss. Now I'm happy to go. This is what it is, and you either enjoy it or you don't. And sometimes the other pressure is when you think that you know. Here I'll say it. Not all the episodes are funny, you know. But I, I, I've never felt as if I want that. That's what it to be. I want it to be just more of a a, a stream of consciousness, a, a conversation, a thought. Here's what's in my mind. Here's what I'm discussing about. It might relate to you. It might not relate to you. There have been some things that we've spoke about that I know people have got in touch to say they're glad that I've spoke about it and it has hit a chord with them. Other people have got in touch to, to argue with me, disagree on certain things, and that's great. That's what it should be. We should be in a position where we can debate and speak, you know, and talk our minds and have something slightly different. Um, but, yeah, now the show is... We hit record, we hit play, and we just go, and we and we see where it takes us. And I feel as if that is certainly becoming a more comfortable setup to have, rather than trying to think where to cut it here and where to cut it there, move stuff about, don't say that, don't say this. Thankfully, through things like, you know, SoundCloud and Patreon, we have the ability to discuss anything and talk about anything we want. Um, so I, so that's where we're at, but thanks for that Morris um, so to answer your question mate it has changed it used to be very cut and paste job at the start and now it is just a stream of consciousness as you so eloquently put it um, right let's do one more question uh, Bobby Curry Bobby thanks for being an absolute Patreon legend uh, same as the other gents uh, and thank you to everybody who is supporting the show on Patreon um, Bobby's asked if you could pick any any level of fame or fortune, whose would it be and why? Um, I mean, I want Jeff Bezos' money. My God! In fact, that's something I'm going to talk about uh, in the Patreon. I'm just going to write that down. Uh, because I saw an article the other day about how much money these fuckers have, have made during quarantine. Um, fame has fame's an odd thing, man. I, I've never, ever craved fame i've never craved it and because i've never had that kind of that inkling i find it very difficult to relate to people who just want to be famous i know a lot of them i've spoken about it before you know i've not lost friends because none of them are really friends but I've, i've certainly thought differently of people when you learn of their intentions you know there's a lot of guys who just want to be able to walk down Byers Road in Scotland and in, in, in Glasgow, sorry, walk down Byers Road and just be stopped 20, 30 times of their picture taken, you know? That that has that's troubled me that, that that is where they want to be and I just don't understand it. You know, I've never understood that. I, I think if you fall into that trap of wanting to be famous, you will never... You will never achieve anything that makes you makes you happy ever. Nothing you do in life or your career will ever make you happy, if that's what you want. Because you'll never be famous enough. Never be famous enough. Um, I'm trying to think of someone I know who, I think you know, has got a good kind of balance. Isn't he a cunt? <laughs> 
I think you probably want to be... I, I would like to be at a level where I could do, you know, a good number of ticket sales. Um, obviously, I, you're trying hard to kind of get your name out there and kind of build it and build the following. And, and my audience is certainly word of mouth. That's where it comes from. You know, I know that the vast majority of people who come and see me are being brought by someone else. And the hope is that they then return again next year and they bring someone back. The hardest thing is trying to just build that uh, tour, build that up to a level where it's sustainable, you know, because it's expensive to put on a tour. There are a lot of costs involved. A lot of costs come off the tickets. You've got to balance it that you don't uh, price yourself out of the market, if you like. Um, so it's a balance. But I have always said since day one, um, if I could get to the level where I could do a 30... 40 date tour you know across the UK 500 seats 1000 seats if I if I could ever get to that level I would be beyond happy that would be my my ceiling my dream goal would be that hopefully we can get there you know it was a really disappointing start of the year with Covid because I felt for the first for the first time ever I'll be honest with you um, for the first time ever, I had sold out four shows in a row. It's never ever happened to me, uh, especially on a tour. So the first four dates of this tour were sold out, and I managed to do three of them, and then COVID started, and it was a real kick in the balls because it's the first time ever that I felt as if I was starting to get in that rung of being able to fill very small venues you know and uh, and obviously Covid has happened so all we can hope for is that when we're back touring again which I hope is next year that we get back into that into the groove of you know selling those tickets and I'm talking to now I'm looking at doing 100 to 150 tickets per show and again if I can get that within the next year or two and sustain that I'm a very very happy boy but the end goal, I suppose, would be to build it to we're doing maybe like, you know, bigger art centres, small theatres, 500 seaters, 1,000 seaters. And if you can get to that level where all you got to do is work hard, turn out a, a new show every year or every 18 months, um, I would be delighted. And that's that for me. And everyone's different. Like I said, you know, everyone will have, you know, you, you'll get the people who come through and they're like, I want to be doing arena tours and I want to be selling more nights than anyone else and doing two months residency. If I could have the, the dream career of the new, it would be to get to the level where I could do, you know, small theatres, good-sized art centres, tour up and down the country, you know, maybe go and do some things international, but majority of the work in the UK, and just be, I think being in control of my own work is the most important thing, not have an agency or a management telling you you can't do this or you can't do that, or taking you aside and asking you not to speak about certain subjects, or saying to you, listen, if you do this and you do that and you don't swear or you clean it up, we can get you this thing and we can get you that thing. Just being able to book in a tour, 
write a show about whatever you want to write about, whatever you want to talk about, take it on the road and tour it and do, you know, good numbers. I'd be delighted with that, mate. Delighted with that. And hopefully that is the case. I've, I've, I'm, I'm feeling good about work again and I think that when we get back to actually being on the road and touring, I think I think this, I think this show is going to be good. I think it's going to be old fashioned. Back to what I do best, man. Just a bit of, you know, a bit of deep storytelling, if that's the way you want to look at it. So hopefully, once tickets go on sale, whenever they do go on sale, you come out, you bring some friends, you bring some family, and we keep growing the numbers. Right, Bobby, Douglas, Morris, thank you very much for your questions, boys. Uh, I think we will wrap this episode up. Um, again, bit of a slow one, but hey, can he all be bangers? Nah, I mean. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the rabble anyway. Listen, if you do have questions or topics uh, you want me to discuss, please do get in touch. Go to the website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk. All the links are there. Um, you can get in touch if you've got a long-form question by going to the contact page or get me in the social medias. Uh, look out for when I post uh, about recordings and then just drop me a question. Um, if you do want to get the extra shows, um, every Friday uh, our Patreon episode goes out to the Patreonis, and if you would like to join them, then please do so. You can sign up for as little as $5. It's less than the price of a pint every month. So if you enjoy the podcast and you want some extra goodies and you think, do you know what? I'm going to support the big man during this fucking shitty time that is COVID. Then sign up to the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. All the links on the website. So head over there. And uh, yeah, do it, man. Sign up. It's uh, some good content. There's some extra goodies on there. There's some comedy albums. Um, and you'll be supporting the show as well for less than the price of a pint, man. Unbelievable. A month, not even a week. A month as well. It's like a quid a week. Fuck's sake. Uh, so do that. Sign up. Right. Um, I had I had one more thing left to do as well, but we'll, we'll save that. We'll save that for the. Uh, we'll save that for the. For the Patreonis. Um, also, I should say before we do head off that you, if you are on the Patreon, then you will get the video episodes of the podcast as well. So if you enjoy watching the video episodes, uh, then you'll get them on Patreon. Um, you know, or wait a fortnight to they come out on YouTube. I don't know. Sign up, right? In the words of Bob Geldof, give us your fucking money. Become a patron. Five dollars. Jesus Christ. Right, that's us. What else can I mention? Nothing. Uh, quiz on a Wednesday night on Facebook. Come and join us for that. Good bit of banter. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Don't be a dick. Wash your hands and your arsehole. And I will hopefully see you on a, a battlefield very soon. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. Bit of an odd episode, but hey, you know, sometimes we go down that avenue that leads us to a bit of a ranty one. Um, so thanks for listening. Right, subscribe to the show, share it, take care. I'll speak to you next week. All the best. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.